us to grow in the knowledge of God's word. Please check out the Bible study challenge. As Billy already announced, we got one week, folks, just one more week for the deadline to register for Lads to Leaders. Lads to Leaders, in my humble opinion, is the greatest tool we have in the brotherhood to help train young people to be future leaders in God's church. Get those uh, registration forms out in the foyer, uh, fill them out, get them over to Nikki, get them to Lori, and let's have a big crew at Dallas come Lads the Leaders 2021. 40 days. We're gonna kick off 2021 the right way. For the first 40 days of the year, we're going to call all of us to focus on what is really important. That's life eternal. We're going to focus on life eternal. We're going to have a, just a brief little video lesson, a Devo message, a two or three minutes or so each morning. For the first 40 days, Billy and I are going to team uh, do this together as a team, and it's going to be great. Join us for the 40 days, a great way to kick off the new year. Speaking of kicking off something, this morning we kicked off a new sermon series based on the book of Mark. If you can see it, it's kind of uh, difficult. It says there, following Jesus immediately. Following Jesus immediately. Why did I pick that to be the title for this sermon series? It's because the word immediately is used 82 times in the Bible from cover to cover. Of those 82 times, 35 of those times are found in the short 16-chapter book that we call Mark. Mark is challenging us to make a decision. No longer straddle the fence. No longer drag your feet. He is calling us to make a decision about Jesus. To follow Jesus immediately. And that brings us to tonight's lesson. And tonight's lesson actually kicks off in California. You know the uh, Tournament of Roses Parade, a very famous parade? Well, a few years ago, they had a major problem. You see, in a parade, all of the participants, the floats, the bands, the performers, they have to go from point A, the beginning, to point B, the end. And there needs to be a steady progression, a steady flow. But one particular year, a float stopped in the middle of the stream. And everything behind it had to stop. Now, why did it stop? Because the float ran out of gas. Now, what's embarrassing is the company that sponsored that float. The company that sponsored the float is the largest gas company in California, Standard Oil of California. Even though Standard Oil of California has vast resources of petroleum products, their float ran out of gas. Now, 
that true story reminds me a little bit of, of Christians. As Christians, we have vast resources in Christ, but more often than not, Christians find themselves out of gas. How about you? Do you find yourself out of gas these days spiritually? Do you find yourself powerless, not knowing what to do and what the Lord wants you to do? Turn with me to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. Go back to that passage that Billy has already read. Did you notice what was happening to Jesus? Go back to verse 8. When the great crowd heard all that he was doing, they came to him. He told his disciples to have a boat ready for him because of the crowd, lest they crush him. For he had healed many, so that all who had diseases pressed around him just to touch him. What's going on? The crowd has heard about the miracles. The crowd has heard about the news of this holy man, this healer, and they're all rushing and they're all around him and it's like a mob scene trying to get to Jesus. There were a lot of people that day, a lot of people that day crowding Jesus, but they were not really interested in getting to know Jesus. They were only interested and what he could do for them, in the miracle that they might get from him, on what they might see happen. And I wonder, is that any different from the way you and I are today? You see, Jesus was extremely popular back then with the people, but Jesus wasn't interested in popularity. Verse 11, And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You, you are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. Jesus was not interested in popularity. That wasn't the purpose of him coming. Why did Jesus come? Jesus didn't come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. He wasn't interested in popularity. But even so, with the crowds crowding him, mobbing him for selfish reasons, what did Jesus do? Jesus still healed many people. Jesus still cast out many demons. Why? Because Jesus cares for people. Jesus loves people. And there are people in the crowd that Jesus looked around and saw. The Dutch artist, Johan van der Don, he decided that God, he decided that God needed a telephone number. So that's what he did. He got God, according to him, a telephone number, actually a cell phone number. And he said to his residents, to the residents of Amsterdam, he said, in earlier times, 
you would go to a church building to say a prayer. Nowadays, you don't have to. Just pick up your phone and call this number and say your prayer in a modern way. And in the very first week, over a thousand people in Amsterdam called the number. The only problem is this. Well, more than just one problem, but this is one definite problem. When you call the number, you got a recorded message. The recorded message said this, this is the voice of God. I'm not able to speak to you at the moment, but please leave a message. That doesn't communicate. That doesn't communicate the idea of a God who is available anytime and anywhere. Now, we of course realize that's fake. That's not possible. But what that artist did created in the minds of so many people there in Amsterdam the image that God is not available. And that is so not true. That's not our God, and that is not Jesus. Jesus is available for even when we come to him for selfish reasons. Even though we come to him for selfish reasons, he is still there for us, and he still heals our hurts. Jesus cares for the crowd back then, and Jesus still cares for the crowd today. But... I want something more. How about you? I'm not content just to get my needs met. I'm not content just to meet Jesus on a Sunday and feel good and then leave this building. I'm not content. I want Jesus 24-7 in my life. I want His power to do God's will and to fulfill God's calling in my entire life. Isn't that what you want? Then, if that's true, don't crowd Jesus. Don't come to him just when you have a need. Come to him 24-7. Don't pressure him just for your own selfish reasons because that's not where the real power is located. Instead, you need to answer his call. What is the call of Jesus? The call of Jesus is to commit. The call of Jesus is to obey. And the call of Jesus is to make a difference in your community, starting with your family and your friends. For while Jesus cares always for the crowd, he calls only a few people to a special relationship with himself. Verse 13. And he went up on the mountain and called. Circle that word, called. He called to him those whom he desired. And they came to him. And he appointed twelve, whom he also named apostles, so they might be with him. He might send them out to do what? To preach. Circle that word preach. I'll come back to that in just a moment. To preach and have authority to cast out demons. 
My friends, that's where the real power is. It's not in the crowd. It's in the calling. It's developing that close, one-on-one -on -one relationship with the Lord. Go back to verse 13. The word for called. The word for called in verse 13 implies a urgent invitation to accept responsibilities for a particular task. It's implying a new relationship to the one who does the calling. When we become a Christian, Jesus calls us to do more than just be dunked in a pool of water and then come out of that wet. He calls us to be different. He calls us to, to make a difference in the lives of people around us. He doesn't want us to just be on the outside. He wants to have a up close and personal relationship with each one of us. You see Jesus here in Mark 3. Jesus wanted those 12 to be more than just a part of a crowd. He invited them into that special relationship where they could be really interconnected together. Isn't that what we want? Don't we want that up-close and personal relationship with Jesus? You know, I'm not content to be part of an adoring crowd. I want, I want a special relationship with Christ so that I might represent Him well in a world that so desperately needs Him. That's what you and I need to be doing I urge you to answer his call on your life. First of all, answer God's call to be with him. Respond to his special invitation to get close to him. Not as a crowd, but as a one-on-one -on -one relationship. What are we talking about? We're talking about personal, private time with the Lord. It's good for us to come together to worship. It's good for us to be together. But if our spiritual life only consists of about, say, two hours on Sunday morning, an hour on Sunday evening, and maybe an hour or so on Wednesday evening, we are, we are really cutting ourselves short on what we really need in our lives we need that time with the Lord. Once again, let me remind you of the advantage of the Bible study challenge. A time that we can really get into God's Word. About 150 keys in the Old Testament, about 350 in the New Testament. A friend of mine who has served in Africa for many years as a missionary, told me a story about one village that he worked with where the Christians, the Christians there wanted to really develop a close-knit connection to Jesus. So he urged them, you know, they were all meeting outside. They didn't have a building to meet in. They're meeting out underneath a tree. 
He said, why don't you do this? When we conclude our worship service, why don't each one of you go off into a different part here and, and, and have some personal private time to talk with the Lord and maybe even to praise Him and just, you know, maybe even meditate on His Word. So that small group of Christians, about 15, did exactly that. Each one would go to a different spot and it got to be a habit. In fact, they started doing it almost every day. And pretty soon there was a, a path, you know, a path through the grass, you know, the grass would be beaten down. There was a path there and you could tell where each person was going off into his or her little special area to, to meditate and to think and to pray. But if someone stopped doing it, if someone stopped that personal private time, the other folks pretty quickly knew it. Because why? Because the grass would grow back onto the path. The believers would remind each other, don't let the grass grow on your path. Don't let the grass grow on your path. Get close to Jesus as often, as, as long as you can. Open His Word, the Bible, and get to know it. Once again, an advantage of the Bible study challenge. Matt, you would have loved this. A group of students, seniors, from West Memphis Christian School, a school affiliated with the church, was on their senior trip. And part of their trip, they wanted to go to Ronald Reagan's ranch in California. So they made all the arrangements and they arrived on time and a tour guide met them and took him into the first room to visit. And lo and behold, the man himself, President Reagan, walked in. He came in to pick up something. When he found out that these students were from a Christian school, he said, you're not going to be guided on a tour by this tour guide you're going to be guided by me. Those kids got a once-in-a-lifetime tour of Ronald Reagan's ranch. One of the girls that went on that senior trip came back and said, I'll never be the same. You know, he changed me just listening to him, just being around him. He changed me. Now, in my opinion, President Reagan is one of the best presidents I've had in my lifetime. But he's just a mere man. If a mere man can have such an impact on a young girl, how much more, how much more can our Lord Jesus the Christ have on our lives and I'll tell you right now, that's really the real purpose behind the Bible study challenge. Yeah, it'd be great for us to know the facts, you know. It'd be great for us to be able to recall some of the stories. But I'm more interested in what can happen at the end. Because I believe if we truly get involved in this, we will be changed for the better. We'll be changed for the better because, you know, 
One, one preacher said this, and I'm afraid he's right. So often in our busy world, we're too busy to pray. And so we're too busy to have power. We have a great deal of activity, but we accomplish little. Many services, but few conversions. Much machinery, but few results. My friends, if we're too busy to spend time with God, if we're too busy to spend time with Jesus, then we are really just spinning our wheels. The power comes not from more activity, the power comes from time alone with Jesus. Then number two, you can answer the Lord's call to share his message. Remember I said circle that word preach. That word preach in verse 14. That word just simply means to announce something. That's all the word really means there, to announce something. It was used of the king's heralds who announced his message to the people. The herald didn't come up with their message. They just shared the news. They were just announcing it. In the past 40 years, probably in the brotherhood, there has been no one that has spoken, has preached, to more people in gospel meetings than Jimmy Allen, who's now deceased. On two different occasions, I had the opportunity to host him for a meal. And I remember one time he was telling the story, and, and I may have some of the details confused because I can't remember for sure. But if I remember correctly, he was scheduled to do a one-night event in Memphis. Remember the old Mid-South Coliseum in Memphis, the big old Mid-South Coliseum? It's still there. It's abandoned, but it's still there. The churches, all the different congregations had come together to rent that, and they had promoted it and advertised it, and they had something like about 12,000 people there that night to hear Jimmy Allen. Trouble is, that weekend, he developed laryngitis. He lost his voice, could not speak. What to do? Everybody was coming out, Christians, non-Christians, to hear Jimmy Allen. Well, they went to a recording studio and they rented a, a special microphone super sensitive microphone. They mounted it on the stage and Jimmy Allen basically just almost was eating it. He was right up against his, his mouth. And even though he was only speaking at a very low level, that microphone could pick it up and could broadcast it, could increase it so that everybody there in the Coliseum could hear him. Jimmy Allen was embarrassed because, you know, he always had a booming voice. And, you know, he, I remember as a kid, I was kind of scared of him, you know, you know, you know, because what he would do is if you weren't listening, he would say, now I'm going to continue my lesson as soon as that young man right there quiets down. And if you were the young man that he was pointing to, and usually he would say, the young man in so-and-so color shirt, boy, you know you knew you were going to be in trouble. 
that night from your parents. So I was a little scared of him as a kid, but grew to love him. As he was so embarrassed over that message that night, he came to realize that message did something. Because every year after that message, he would have at least one person come up to him and say, you remember that time you were speaking in Memphis and you lost your voice? Well, I fill in the blank. I became a Christian that night. I was restored that night. I was encouraged to study and then I became a Christian. I heard you and, and I went out and, and I really, you know, and people would share stories about what had happened in their lives because of that message. It reminded Jimmy and it reminds me today that God doesn't need eloquence to reach people. He just needs a voice. Your voice with a living, vital connection to Him in prayer. That's what He needs. In 1968, there was a major power outage in New York City. When it happened, there were seven people that had just got on an elevator. Empire State Building. The elevator was between floors when the power went out. It was completely dark. I mean, it was completely dark. You couldn't hardly see your hand in front of your face. The seven people, they got nervous. One person was a Christian. The other six people, you know, one person started crying. One person started banging on the door, you know. And they were getting angry, emotions. They were fearful. And then the Christian remembered that in her purse, in her purse, she just happened to have a flashlight. And she got that flashlight out. And suddenly, all the fear went away. People relaxed. In fact, the Christian invited people to start singing uh, Christian songs that they might know, Amazing Grace and On a Hill Far Away. And they started singing. You know, we are like a flashlight. We are like a flashlight. We are God's flashlight to the world. And just like a flashlight draws power from its batteries, we draw power from Jesus. And in so doing, as lights, as lights in a dark world, we, what? we drive away the fear. We bring relief. We lift the spirits. In fact, we don't even have to be big to be effective. We just have to be turned on for the Lord. Are you and I turned on for the Lord? We must be connected to Jesus, and if so, then we can be that light for Him. And then final point, we need to answer His call. We need to answer His call to go out into our community with His power. The more time you spend with Jesus, the bolder you get. Of the 350 keys for the New Testament, almost, not quite, but almost half of them will be on Jesus. 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You know, that's another reason for the Bible study challenge. To make a difference in our community around us. And our community starts with our family and our friends. Twelve years ago, twelve years ago, a preacher's daughter graduated high school. She was planning to go, but she asked her dad, would you mind if, if I don't go for a year? I would rather go on a medical mission to Haiti for one year. Well, the preacher and his wife, uh, they were a little bit reluctant to send an 18-year-old girl to the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere but they said, yes, yes, you can go. So she made plans and she ended up at a medical missions effort in Haiti. One night, the preacher received an email from his daughter and she described what had happened the previous night. The previous night, a, a, a man came into the area where they were camped out saying, I need help. My wife is about to give birth. I need your help. It has just so happened that everybody at the camp was out doing some other things in the community. The only person left was that young girl named Jody. She said, I'll, I'll go with you. I'll help. Even though she'd only delivered one baby, and that was with a doctor with her, she went to do what she could. She arrived at the... Um, at the house, if you want to call it a house, it was more like a tin shed. And there was the woman, very much pregnant, very much in labor, there on the dirt floor screaming. What to do? What would Jody do? Well, she started to do the things that she'd seen the doctor do and she started getting ready and she asked for a, a boiled water and she got some towels ready and in walked a voodoo princess. She was dressed in her garb. She walked in. She started chanting some things that were really, you know, could not really understand her. She was, you know, she had these candles and the smoke coming out and this incense and she was walking around and, and, and she was staring at Jody because she didn't like Jody at all. So what to do? What to do? So in the email, the, the girl said, Dad, I, I didn't know what to do. Got this voodoo lady walking around and she's staring at me and all I could think was, I've got to sing a song. So she started singing. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. And she just kept on repeating it and repeating it and repeating it. The voodoo lady, she stared at Jody one more time and then she left. She said in her email to her dad and mom, that night I knew that this baby was going to be born with the blessing of God and not the curse of Satan. If you were the parent, what would you do? 
They read that and their first thought was, you get on a plane tomorrow, you come home, what are you doing in a hut with a voodoo woman in the first place? But after their fears kind of faded away, they thought, way to go, Jody. We're so proud of you. Way to make a difference with your life. Do you want to make a difference in your world? in your family, with your friends, against the forces of evil, then be like Jody. Put your life in Christ's hand. But you say, I can't do that kind of stuff. I'm inadequate. I don't have what it takes. Do you know what? You're probably right. You're probably completely right. In fact, neither do I Neither does Billy. All of us are inadequate. It's not us. It's the Lord that makes the difference. It doesn't matter because with Jesus, with Jesus, we are a majority. Look here in verses 16 or verse 16 through 19. We have a listing of those 12. In that 12, you've got Peter who had foot and mouth disease because he constantly put his foot in his mouth, and a man who denied the Lord, not once, not twice, but three times. You've got James and John, who, who they were so full of anger, they, call, they wanted to call down fire to destroy a village. You've got Matthew, a former tax collector. You've got uh, a guy that was what? He was a zealot. He's a killer. Then you got Judas in the bunch. You see, the 12 were not perfect men at all. But Jesus could take, he could take the 12. He could take the 11, because Judas went the wrong way. But he could take those 11 and he could make a difference in the world. You see, Jesus doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the ones he calls. And he wants to qualify you and me as his special representative. So answer the call. Answer the call. Failing. Fraud. One last story and the lesson's over. A young preacher, three kids, he made some pretty serious investment mistakes, put his family into really a, really a severe financial situation. They had to get rid of their car, and he would just got an old junker car. And one day he was going to the airport in Dallas to pick up his two nieces. And as he was driving that car, the air conditioner was busted. He had to roll down the windows. It was a typical hot July day. It was steaming hot. And, you know, the, the, uh, the top of the roof, you know, was falling down on him, you know, and he could feel that. And, and, and the dashboard was flaking off, and he could feel all the flakes of the dashboard just hitting his face. 
And all he could think was, the car is telling me something. The car is saying, you are failing at life. So he picked up his nieces. They spent the weekend together. The next week, knowing that he didn't have the money to buy a car, he, he leased a car. It was a simple car, but it was a new car, a small car, but new. And he was excited. But as he was driving that new car, all he could say to himself was, this car is saying you're a fraud. This is not real. You don't deserve this. You know, our lives, our lives swing between a voice that says you are failing and a voice that says you are fraud. Don't listen to those on the outside voices. Listen to Jesus in the middle where he says, you are one of mine. You're special. You are a child of God. The key is not listening to what's on the outside. The key is listening to Jesus. Come, be with me so that I can be with you. How about it? Are you a Christian? Have you put that into your life? Have you put Jesus into your life by believing, repenting, confessing, and being baptized? As a Christian, do you need a, maybe a do-over? On the golf course, you know, we, we sometimes you talk about a do-over. Well, as a Christian, we can have a do-over. He will forgive if we will just seek his forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9. The church here is ready to pray with you and for you. James 5, 16. Do you have a need? Are you ready to follow Jesus immediately? Will you please come while we stand and sing for your encouragement? Lord Jesus Christ.